0: For that song, <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can preach afterwards. <laughs> Our sins ever many, His mercy is more. It really does tie in to what we're going to talk about this morning. You guys always do me in with songs like that before I just <laughs> get up here and talk. To you. <laughs> As we read this morning, in First Thessalonians 5:17, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, instructs us, actually, he commands us to pray continually. Again, through the Apostle Paul. In Colossians chapter four, verse two, he says, "Devote yourselves to prayer." And then it's almost like the Holy Spirit stirred up Paul to give an example of what that looks like later on in that same chapter. (coughs) In that chapter later on, you might remember, Paul is giving greetings to those back in Colossae, uh, which is right now a pile of stones. Uh, There's much left of the town over there now. And in giving these greetings, he refers to a guy by the name of Epaphras. A guy who was from them, but was at the time beside Paul, helping Paul in his ministry. And this is what he says about Epaphras in verse 12. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. This theme of devoting yourselves to prayer, of wrestling in prayer for others, is so common in the New Testament if you only have a summary Knowledge of the New Testament, you can't hardly miss this. Devoting ourselves to prayer. How are we doing in that category, guys? I'd like to take a survey this morning to see how we're doing in that area. If you would indulge me. And to do that, I'd like to ask that all of you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Don't want anyone looking around not interested in embarrassing anyone here this morning. Please, every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to ask you four questions. first question is this. How many of you believe that as a serious disciple of Jesus, one of the most crucial, one of the most vital things you need to be doing each day is taking time to devote yourselves to prayer? Let me ask that again. How many of you believe that as a serious disciple of Jesus, one of the most crucial, one of the most vital things you need to be doing each day is taking time to devote yourselves to prayer? If you believe that, could you raise your hands, please? I'd like to see how many we got. Okay, thank you. You can put them down. Here comes question number two. Again, please, no one looking around. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's say over the past month, 5 days of the week how many of you could say that you devoted yourself to prayer for an hour a day that you set aside an hour just to spend time praying can i see those hands please nice and high okay and put them down question number 3 again let's say over the past month 5 days out of the week how many of you would say could say that you devoted a half hour a day to prayer I see those hands. Nice and high. Okay, thank you. You can put them down. Now, fourth question. How many of you would say in this past week you might have spent half hour a day watching television, looking at stuff on the net, doing stuff on your phone? Can I see those hands, please? Okay, you can put them down. Thank you so much. Uh, you can lift your head and open your eyes. Thank you for taking the survey. Uh, thankfully, question number one was very heartily answered. Uh, most of the hands went up. Sadly, question number two, we didn't get very many. Question number three, we got a few more. Question number four, you can just take a wild guess how many hands we got. Uh, now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not here to beat up on you this morning. Uh, Sadly, I can't say, as the Apostle Paul said in this area, follow me as I follow Christ. This is an area I have struggled with in my walk with Christ from my earliest days of walking with him, and I still struggle with it. And this is what I want to talk about this morning, guys. What is our problem that we can't (laughs) put our money where the mouth is? (laughs) Why do we do all kinds of other stuff? I'm not saying that the fourth question was bad. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying if we can find time to do that in our week, why can't we find time to do what we say we believe is one of the most vital things we should be doing every day? I'm not just picking on you. I'm picking on everybody. They get me to speak at back here, so don't feel like I'm just picking on you. I get the same results in every fellowship, guys. The American church is not a praying church. What I'm finding, what's wrong with us? What can we do to get our act together in this area? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. There's a couple steps that have come to my mind that have helped me as I struggle with this, and I really do struggle. <laughs> I'm only talking to you about this because the Holy Spirit has been beating up on me for months and months and months <laughs> before I got back here telling me I need to talk to you about this. And I want to say, pick somebody else to talk about it. Pick my wife, my daughter. They do it. It comes natural to them. Sadly, guys, it don't come natural to me. I've got to work and work, and work at it. And I think one of the vital first steps is we got to really make prayer a priority in our life. Years ago, a bunch of you know my younger brother Don, who a bunch of you probably know is over on the border of Syria right now, working with Syrian refugees. And before he went into the ministry, I think, I think this was before I even went to the country we've been in since 1983. I was bemoaning the fact that it's so hard for me to be faithful in praying for others like I should be and you know what he said to me Dick we always find time to do what's really important to us I could have smacked a little snot (laughs) with that stung? I didn't smack him because I knew as our British brethren say he was spot on we do don't we we always can find time for what's truly important to us. I mouth that it's important to me, but my actions belie my words. And that has really helped me to come to grips with that, that my actions say what I really believe. And so I am bound and determined <laughs> to make this a priority. Um, I was speaking in another church a couple of weeks back, And I spoke again Sunday night, me and a couple other workers up front. And the pastor, before they started that thing, he said, now what are some of the points you took away from this morning? And somebody way in the back said, make prayer a priority. That's not how I said this first point beforehand, so I can't take credit for it. Uh, That's a good way to put it, make prayer a priority. That leads us to the second point. If we're going to make prayer a priority, we might have to make some hard choices in our lives. Have you ever heard the saying, no Bible, no breakfast? Uh, The first time I heard that, I was a soldier boy over in Germany, and I was struggling with getting my daily Bible reading in. Don't look at this, guys. It takes a lot to feed this factory to keep it running. This right leg is hollow. I don't go do well without breakfast. And after I skipped a couple breakfasts, guys, I started doing that. No Bible, no breakfast business. I was able to get up early enough to get my Bible time in before I (coughs) got to the mess hall for breakfast. My sweetie and I enjoy playing the game Boggle. Uh She beats the stuffings out of me every time we play it. We usually play four hands. You know, it takes three minutes, and then it takes five minutes arguing about whose words are real words on their list, you know, afterwards. (coughs) My brother Don is notorious. He claims that, there is a, that the dictionary just hadn't learned this word yet. Um, My sweetie is this sweet southern gal. Now, you notice that's not a Lancaster County accent she speaks with? And we go to her home down at DeWitt, Arkansas. They say to her, well, I see you picked up that Yankee brogue now that you've been up there. And I'm thinking, lady, there ain't nobody in Yankee land that thinks this lady speaks with a Yankee brogue, that's for sure. <laughs> she doesn't fit in anywhere. She's a sweet southern gal, but, man, is she viciously competitive. <laughs> <clears throat> now, she beats the snot out of me all the time, guys. Literally, we play four hands. I, so I, call, I talk about our four quarters of boggle-based basketball. Almost every time in the last quarter, she gets more points than I do the whole Thunder game, you know. But if I, when we start the first quarter, these brain cells are a little bit fresh, so I might pull within a point or two of her. She's just warming up. Uh, at that point in time. And you can just see sweat starting to beat up on her forehead. It dawned on me, as the Holy Spirit was beating up on me about talking to you about this, I wasn't getting around to praying like I should. But we were probably playing boggle two or three times in a week. we play at evening hours. And I thought, okay, if I haven't prayed, I don't play bagel anymore. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing bagel, guys. There's nothing wrong with that at all, even if the wife does beat the stuffings out of you all the time. But we weren't, I wasn't doing the best that I should have been doing in a day's time. And you might have to jettison some of the stuff from your schedules that isn't bad, but it might not be the best of what you should be doing. Make prayer a priority. You might have to make some hard choices about what you do in your day's time if you really want to make prayer a priority. And thirdly, turn the noise off. Close that computer screen. Some of you have your prayer list, I know, on your cell phones, if you don't have the color here like I do. Uh, but if that cell phone's going to distract you, at least turn the volume down or put it someplace else. Turn off the noise. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount when our Lord talked about praying? He said, don't pray like the hypocrites who pray in the street corner and make a big to-do about it so everybody sees how they pray. You go into your closet and close the door, he said. Now, the point of that is don't show off when you pray. But there's another point to that, too. Close out the distractions so that you can focus on praying. You can devote yourself to praying. You, for yourself, have to figure out what that is. <laughs> Do you know what it is for me? When I get up, the, I'm old, so old, guys, I've got to make a little trip to the room when I get up in the morning. If I stay up and start doing stuff, I won't get to my prayer time. i got to go back to bed. When I wake up in the morning, I'm awake. That wouldn't work for my sweetheart. She'd go back to sleep. <laughs> I'm dead after 10 o'clock at night. That's when she just starts coming to um, she hardly ever is in bed before 2 o'clock. Because over there, it's 8 hours from here, so her kids are coming home from work at that hour. So she and, you know, if the computer beeps for me, I'll get them in the morning, who cares? You know, I've got 911 if it's an emergency, you know. They'll need to hear from me, but not the mother. Oh, she's got to answer that right away. For me, I'm awake. And if I'm in bed, the distractions are cut out. I don't see my to-do list for that day. I haven't opened that computer yet. That's funny. I know I'm a weird duck. Find a thing for you where you can cut out your distractions and really devote yourself to prayer. Now, there's a couple things I want to say about that, some of these distractions. One of them might be your feelings. I grew up in a church up near Three Mile Island, a little church called World Life Chapel in the Middle Cornfield. Pastor Abe Gish was a pastor back in those days. Uh... He was a very godly man. Uh, Some of you who have even got more gray hair than I got, you might have remembered he used to teach the Schofield Bible course on WDAC on Saturday nights. That was my pastor. Very godly man. I was shocked to hear Pastor Gish tell me that every day he prayed, he had to go into this corner and pray and leave his feelings over there. (laughs) He said, just ignore him. They're hollering at me. There's all kinds of other stuff you need to be doing. He said, I just ignore those feelings. I just go to this corner and I pray over here. And the longer I pray, slowly, slowly my feelings start to straggle along. And by the time I'm done praying, they're joined with me. But if I would listen to my feelings when I start to pray, I would never get to my prayer time. One of those noises might be our own feelings that we've got to ignore. Here's another thing I want to say, now that you give me a chance to say it. Sometimes people come up to us and they say, Dick, I'm going to pray for you as the Lord brings you to my mind. Don't you love the theology of that statement? That means when I fail, when I neglect to pray for those believers who are suffering around the world every day, is I think I really need to put them on my daily prayer list. When we lead a cushy life here, and we lead a cushy life over where we are too, if I forget those who are languishing in some work camp in North Korea or in some rethinking camp in China or some prison who knows where in Iran or Iraq or Saudi Arabia, if I forget to remember them, that's God's fault? Uh Uh-uh, guys, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. If there are people who we need to pray for, oh, guys, let's give ourselves to pray for them. If we were in their case, if we were in their shoes, we'd want somebody doing that for us. There's another thing I want to throw in here. And that is, when we pray, we really are getting engaged in spiritual warfare. Satan knows if we are praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to God's will, especially when we're praying with others, he is dead in the water. He knows that. I don't want to give myself excuses for my lack of praying as I should, at the same time, I need to realize Satan wants to do his damnable worst to stop us from doing it. And when I let whatever cut out of my daily schedule, the time I should be giving to prayer, I am playing right into his hand. When I remember that, that helps me (laughs) not to play into his hand because that's exactly what he wants to do. He knows he's dead in the water. If God's children will get serious about interceding for the things that are dear to God's heart. Another thing that has really helped me is setting up a buddy system of praying. Guys, we as Americans are such lone rangers. I got this dear friend who goes for three weeks at a time this is just the kind of stuff this guy does and goes hiking in the Grand Canyon. Nobody knows where he's at. If he falls off a cliff, nobody's going to find out for three months thereafter. That's the American way, isn't it? We live in a country where it's got lots of tourists to come. When is the last time you've seen a single Japanese or a single Korean going through historical sites? It don't happen, guys. <laughs> There's always five or 20 of them. <clears throat> they're a community people. We as Americans are lone rangers. But God's body is not intended to be a lone ranger affair. It has really helped me when I can find a buddy to pray with me. When we were working on the north ridge of the capital of that country, our co- my coworker and I, we'd meet in his office, because he's part way to my office, and we'd just meet before we went on to our daily schedule. We sat down and we prayed. We didn't get prayer requests. We just sat down and prayed because we wanted to get on to praying. That was such a help. Um, My prayer buddy right now is sitting right back here, uh, and that really helps me. And I often thank her for taking time to pray with me, and she said, well, you know what? This helps me to pray like I should, too. If you can find a prayer buddy that would pray with you, I've got two friends who aren't geographically close to each other and just get on the phone at 6 in the morning and they pray before they run off to work. That's what they do. Again, they don't give requests. Now they are only giving requests, guys. Oh, I'm going to leave all preaching and go to meddling here a little bit. It bugs the stuffings out of me when I see this happening. I've been in prayer meetings where they took 25 minutes to give requests and literally 10 minutes to pray for them. That wasn't a prayer meeting. That was a request meeting, guys. If we're going to have a prayer meeting, pray, you know, Keep those requests to a minimum. And these, when, we, when I met with my coworker, and we prayed, sometimes we prayed for stuff that either one of us didn't have any knowledge about. But we did that intentionally so we wouldn't lose time and spent the time in prayer. And if there was need to give some explanation, give a few lines at the end before we ran out the door. Uh, okay, enough of that rabbit trail. Uh, what do we pray for? Oh, man, guys. May we move beyond the Lord-bless-so-and-so prayers. How do we even know when the Lord answered that thing? Lord-bless-so-and-so. I don't find Lord-bless-so-and-so prayers in the scriptures. Guys, pray what the apostles prayed. Paul, Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, Colossians 1 are his prayers. Study them. Learn what he prayed and pray them. But also pray with an open Bible. There's what I mean by that is when you're in your Bible reading time and you come across something like for instance uh, Romans 12.2 uh, remember Romans 1 and 2 says I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to him and don't be tr- uh, don't conform to this world this world system but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a group of fifteen national believers that I try to pray for every day simply because I'm not sure they're on anybody else's radar screen. That's why I picked these fifteen. And one thing I pray for them continually is that they'd hold fast to their faith without wavering. That's scripture. Well, that comes out of several places in scripture. I'm reading now in my daily Bible time in Hebrews, and it dawned on me when I got to Hebrews four fourteen. Where it says, seeing that we have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed into the heavens, hold fast to our faith without wavering. I need to pray for them, not only that they hold fast to their faith without wavering, but because they get it, that they have a high priest that now intercedes for them in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. You see what I'm saying? Pray scripture, guys. Uh, Let's skip beyond the blessed so-and-so. Who do you pray for? Pray for family, like we did this morning. That was good. Appreciate that, Brother Don. Pray for sick. Pray for leaders. Leaders in your country. Leaders in your church. Uh, But somebody else that I want to encourage you, as I mentioned earlier, to put on that list are those suffering believers around the world. Guys, do you know... Every day, every day, there's several of our brothers and sisters who are giving their lives for bearing the name of Jesus. Every day. May we not forget them. May we remember to pray for them. If we don't remember to pray for anybody else, guys, let's remember to pray for them. Very quickly here, I'm going to read to you an example of devoting yourselves to prayer. You guys know that I push these worker biographies every time I'm back here. The only reason I push them is because I find them so challenging, so encouraging, yes, sometimes so convicting. Uh, this one is Gladys Aylward. Anybody hear of Gladys Aylward? Uh, a few of you have. Her last name is spelled A-Y-L-W-A-R-D. Aylward. It's she was British. I'm sure I'm butchering her last name. Poor lady. She went to China. It's called Gladys Aylward, the little woman. She went to China in the mid 30s. Uh, amazingly, she flunked out of Bible school. She literally flunked out of Bible school. She apologized that she did such a pitiful job. She said, "I tried really hard, though. But you taught me one thing here. One thing I definitely will take away from here. They taught her lots of things, but which this was the point she wanted to make. You taught me." how to pray here. And she went on to China and learned Mandarin Chinese, guys, one of the hardest languages in the world, to where people thought she was Chinese. People don't think I'm one of those nationalities over there when I open my mouth. Praise God, he's enabled us to be able to communicate clearly in that language. But they don't think I'm one of them when I open my mouth. They confused her. You realize what a miracle that was of God? Well, there's all kinds of stuff that happened in Gladys' life that was just astounding. One of these, some of you may not know this, I guess I was throwing spitballs in the back of history class, so I missed this myself. But before World War II happened, Japan invaded China years before. And they were trying to take over China because they needed the natural resources of China. And so Gladys, along with hundreds of thousands of people are fleeing before these Japanese forces is what they're doing. Uh, And she gets to this one town. In this town, they ask her to be involved in a conference Uh, for young people, and I'm going to pick up the storyline there. Uh, She says, I did not give the lectures because I became ill again. I lay in bed weak and full of doubts. Why had God allowed me to come here among strangers all for nothing? One day I heard murmurs coming from the next room. It sounded as if people were praying. I crept out of bed, threw on my outer garment and slippers, and slipped out to investigate. Peeping in the open doorway, I saw about 15 students squatted. These are university students. (coughs) University students squatted around what was obviously a map. Then one went forward, shut his eyes, and poked with his finger at the map, much as I had often done as a child when we had played the game of putting on the donkey's tail. When he opened his eyes, he read aloud the name of the place where his finger had landed and said, does anybody know anything about this place? I stood entranced while one after another prayed about this unknown town or village. Then another went forward, again jabbed blindly with his finger, and read another name. At the end of the meeting, I questioned the students and learned that they had had this part of the northwest of China laid on their hearts and were praying for different places every day. For three weeks, they kept this up. Most of the time, I was in bed. Then at another of these strange prayer meetings, I said, is anyone going to these places you're praying for? Nobody's free, they said. We have not finished our studies. We have no money, and no one knows the country. But now our special prayer is for someone to go and spy out the land. Two days later, I was convinced that God was asking me to go to this unknown territory. I don't have time because Pastor DeVinney told me I had to quit before, too. Uh, <laughs> you must get the book, guys, and read how God answered the prayer of those 15 students. This is a Moody Press book. If I did not know this was a reliable source of information for what happened in Gladys' life, I wouldn't believe this. It's just astounding what God did because 15 people decided to pray earnestly, to devote themselves to prayer. You've got to get the book, guys. If you type in Gladys A, and you think you have to remember how to spell her last name on Amazon, it just pops up as the first book that comes up. Gladys Aylward, the little woman. You must get the book and read chapter 13. I want to read in closing something from a a friend of ours who works with helping fellowships like you guys become more effective in partnering with people like us out there. And this is from her letter this fall. She says as a last point in that letter, I am convinced that prayer is the most essential contribution a church can make in global outreach partnership. Yet it is also the most difficult commitment for 21st century Western congregations. She goes on to say, pray that we will be able to help churches develop partnerships where powerful prayer unleashes God's power in places Satan has dominated for millennia. And I close with a quote she has on here from E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds was a, a very famous Bible commentator. He's now with the Lord, I believe. Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistence which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. Very good. Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistence which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. Let's just not talk about it. Let's do it, guys. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not spare your own son, but sent him down to become our sin sacrifice, to pay the debt of our sin, and to give us the unthinkable privilege of becoming a co-heir with him one of your children and you have given us the privilege and the high responsibility to intercede in your presence for those around the world who desperately need that interceding and Father this morning we do want to lift up those who are suffering for your namesake around the world may you strengthen them by your might in their inner person so that Christ can dwell in their hearts through faith and no matter how bleak their circumstances are, may they through the eyes of faith see that their lives are not useless now. They've not been put on the shelf. They are still being a light for you, no matter how dark the area might be that they've been consigned to. And Lord, we pray that they would go to your word each day to find the strength they need to persevere to the very end. Father, we want to pray for those who are going to pay the supreme price this day. May they finish the race well. May they hold fast to their faith without wavering right to the very end. And may they have joy and peace knowing that they're going to go straight into your presence. May it be so obvious that their are murderers could not escape the fact that these people have a source of peace, a source of joy they know nothing about. And, Father, remind us to remember them. Stir us up, Father, that we would break the trend, become a praying church again, devote ourselves to prayer.